0: We're so excited that we've almost made it to our first year of Christian Women in Business. Actually, we're that excited that we're gonna have our very first birthday party. We couldn't have had a party without a little learning. So we've created our first birthday party to be a full day's workshop and we'll be having our first annual conference. So you can learn and celebrate with us. Above all, We want to celebrate you, because without you, we wouldn't exist. We invite you to join us on Saturday, the 17th of February, 2018 at Tweed Heads, New South Wales, Australia. Tickets are for sale on our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au, and then click on our first birthday. We can't wait to see you there. G'day, it's SJ here. We're busy getting ready for our conference now, so we're going to take you through some podcasts that are actually from our workshop in the Academy. These will be taken from our Business Basics Workshop and our Maiden Business Workshop. Business Basic Workshop is all about how to start a business and the business, the basics of running a business. The Maiden Business Workshop is all about exploring women of business in the Bible. Um, We did this workshop over a year ago now and it's one of our first workshops to be done in the academy. We hope that you enjoy both of them and we'll see you after the conference. If you haven't got your ticket, grab it now. Hello and welcome to our workshop, Maiden Business. This is very, very exciting. It's our first um, official Christian Women in Business workshop, uh, business bundle, whatever you would like to call it. Um, So we're excited to bring this to you. And uh, we want to be exploring um, basically all about God and business and business women in the Bible. So what you're going to need is your pen, notebook, journal uh, and Bible uh, just so you can take notes down and we've got reflections and, and other bits and bobs along the way. So our aim for this uh, for maiden business is to let Christian women know that it's okay for her to have and run a business. <laughs> it is biblical, um, and people in the Bible did do it. That you are worth having a business. Um, how to connect God into your business, and to know that it's okay to bring them both together. Um, I guess there's a whole philosophy on women and leadership and business. Um, and a little bit of theology that we won't get into too much depth about. Um, But just so you know that the basic side, it's okay for you to have a business and to be a Christian, to believe in God and bring them all together and to inspire women to know that it's their time to rise. So it's your time to rise and God is just using us in the most amazing ways. So what you will learn, you'll learn to have confidence in yourself and who God's made you. You'll learn how to utilize your gifts from God. Um, You'll learn how to cope with comparison in a really superficial world, especially on Instagram. Um, You'll learn how to work through the tough times and how God is using the weakest sex to transform the world. So how are we going to learn this? So what subjects? So we've got um, the first subject is Made in Business, um, Owners and Leaders in the Bible. Um, so we're going to be going through just two, uh, but there are so many, and it's it's very very encouraging. Um, number two is your gift from God. Number three, comparison is the depth of creative depth of creativity. Four, don't be a spectator. Five, persistence, faithfulness, and steady obedience. Number six, it's our time, awakening of the weaker sex, and seven, maiden ladies are strategic. Now, bear with me when I put weaker sex there because I do have some method behind my madness and, you know, if there's any feminists in there going, oh, we're not the weaker sex. Just <laughs> calm. <laughs> it's okay. Or welcome to light. Um, because what if you look at the Bible and what God is actually doing in our world now, um, it's just awesome. And it, it kind of comes from being, we have an advantage of being not male. <laughs> anyway. We'll get into it, into that chapter. So yeah, there are subjects. So we've got seven to cover um, and they'll be coming out over the next few weeks. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can come together in this community and in this Academy Lord and learn all about your word, all about business. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be open to what you will teach us through this, um, that we can say the right things to the women who need it, Father God, and bless them and encourage them and allow them to know that it's their rising time. And God, just to open our eyes to see the amazingness that they have, For the people who are struggling to see their gifts, Lord, allow their eyes and their hearts to be open to the gifts that you've given them and show them how they can use them for the goodness of the kingdom, for the goodness of business and the kingdom economy, Father God. And we just pray this in your precious name. Amen. Let's get to it. So now let's look at our first subject. So this is made in business owners and leaders in the Bible. So, there are actually quite a few businesswomen and leaders in the Bible. So, we've got Deborah, who is a prophet, uh, Israel's commander in chief. We've got Fotina, uh, I think is how you say it, and she is a biblical leader. We've got um, Lydia, who is a trader. Priscilla, who is a tent maker. Miriam, a prophet and leader. Uh, Hood Hulda, <laughs> excuse my pronunciations. Prophet. Uh, for Josiah. We've got Phoebe, who was a patron of Paul, wealthy and bringing gospel to the Roman Empire. Then we've got Ruth, Esther, Mary of Nazareth, Martha, and that's just to name a few. So um, there's quite a few women in the Bible that kind of um, had influence and did some really, really incredible things. Um, And God kind of used the weaker sex quite a lot um when the men kind of didn't <laughs> but we'll take a look at that in a minute so today i would love to go through fatina so um fatina um is just an incredible person and i guess i find her amazing because i can really resonate with her story who she was uh what jesus did for her and then what she became after she found Jesus and His amazingness. So um, I don't know if any of you have listened to my testimony, but I kind of just get Bettina, and um, yeah, she's just awesome. So um, name is Greek and means the enlightened one. Uh, the name she adop- this is the name that she adopted when she was baptized into Christian faith. And a lot of us actually know her as the Samaritan woman in John four. So let's have a look at John four. So we'll just read through this together. If you do have your Bibles, feel free to read it through in your Bibles. Uh, But I have got it on the screen for you to read through it. So Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now, sorry, a lot of people um, in John one kind of focus on the water and and what it means. But just for this subject, um, we kind of Not looking at that, but we're actually looking at the Samaritan woman herself. So now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So he came to a town in Samaria called Singcha. (laughs) Sorry if I'm getting all these names wrong, this is not one of my strong points. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans back in the day. So Jesus answered her: If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this water? Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I gave them will become them in a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you have is not your husband. What have you just said is quite true. But just for the reference, I haven't had five husbands. I have only had one husband, just in case you're thinking of this is where I relate. Nah. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, can I see you are a prophet? I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped in this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers a father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, "I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us." Then Jesus declared, "I, the one speaking speaking to you, I am Him." You'd be pretty <laughs> blown away, wouldn't you? You've just gone to fill up your water in the middle of the day. It's burning hot, and you know bump into Jesus <laughs> awesome so the disciples rejoined Jesus just then his disciples returned and were supported to find him talking with the woman but no one asks what do you do uh, what do you want or why are you talking with her so back in the day I'm guessing that there was a pretty big rivalry between the Jews and the Samaritan well we know there was so then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have no food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So the many Samaritans believe. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. So he stayed two days and became, and because of this, because of his word, sorry, many became believers. This is just too awesome. Um, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So um, just to put it in content, so uh, for Tina's history before she met Jesus, she was sinful. Um, she was actually a shamed outsider. Um, she is unnamed in the Bible um, and she was divorced five times um, and actually was living with a man unmarried when she met Jesus Um, and she must have um, I reckon she must have had a pretty tough past um, and was very thirsty for more than just water and maybe the love of Jesus and what he could bring um, for eternal life so um, we've got the book, or well, I don't know, I've got the book Without Rival, and, um, this is how I actually stumbled upon, um, all I'd known before was the Samaritan woman who had no name, and when I was reading this, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so, so incredible. Um, so if you do have, uh, the Without Rival book by Lisa Bevere, um, maybe go and pause this video and go and grab it now, um, otherwise I'm just going to read a few pages, because, this is going to really put into contents her life um, and what the passage that we just read kind of means um, in today's language. Um, yeah, I just thought Lisa's done a really, really great way of describing Fatina and what we can learn from her. So I am on page uh, 210, and we're going to read from 210 to 212. um, And I just encourage you to listen and to just soak um, soak in that story that we've just read. So Jesus is tired from an extensive walk and exhausted by the Pharisees. I see him seated on the edge of Jacob's ancient well. The relentless Middle Eastern afternoon, sun beats down on him. But he can feel the cool air rising from the deep well. You just imagine Jesus just sat on this well kind of like, oh man, that is so good. Old school air con. Jesus looked into his depths and pondered its, ponders its history as he reviews the events of the day. Their outreach in Judea had ended abruptly, and the walk had been long and dusty. He had put on the end, uh, he had put an end to the baptisms when he learned that the religious leaders had turned them into some sort of temple numbers competition between his and John's disciples, and you can see that in John one. Why couldn't they see what it was for? What it was? Why couldn't they see it for what it was? They were working together as collaborators. Yes, the masses came. Their hunger was so desperate after so many years of dryness. Now the prophetic and the promise were making a people ready. Lives were being restored through repentance and the following of the waters of baptism. It was so holy, so helpful, and they had tried to reduce it to a circus. So he had left behind the waters of Jordan for this arid plain. He closes his eyes for a moment against the dust and glaring sun. He will rest and wait at this ancient well for the return of his disciples. He releases a heavy sigh. Suddenly, a sense of expectation stirs in his heart, and he senses the Holy Spirit whisper, I have purpose here in this barren Samaritan field Jesus heard one word harvest he opens his eyes and watches as a lone daughter of a sm- sam samaria samaria comes to collect water she carries a large vessel it was it is similar to the ones of the other women who used when they collect water to draw water of the day but her vessel is empty as so is her heart this daughter had sunk so low that she even avoids the company of women. Bible scholars suggest that she chose to come in the heat of the day when the number of people at the well would be at an all-time low. He watches her. He notices when she sees him and quickly alerts her eyes. By virtue of his clothing, she knows he is Jewish. Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They despise them. This woman has known trouble before and she doesn't want trouble again. Forewarned, she approaches the opposite side of the well where she lowers her vessel and prepares to draw forth forth the water. He calls to her, startled. She lifts her head and stops mid-motion. There is something in the tenor and the tone of his voice that arrests her. His request for the water sounds more like an innovation than a demand. Unsure, she encounters. Why would a Jewish man speak to a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jews won't even drink from a cup of that Samaritans used. Imagine, if you will, a pre- prejudice so profound that using the same glass of water could cause you to be unclean. Not only is she a Samaritan, but she is also a woman. But Jesus is not afraid of sharing her cup. He is prepared to drink her cup of wrath for her. Nor does Jesus want to use her like another man she has ever known. He wants to make himself known. Maybe he wants the solace of conversation. Maybe he is weary of being misrepresented by the ignorant religious leaders. Perhaps like many of us he finds it comforting to unburden his heart to a stranger Jesus replied If you only knew who I am the gift that God is wanting to give you you'd be asking me for a drink and I would give you living water The woman is astonished who is this man who speaks of a gifting god She walks around the well to his side to see what he is what he has in his possession That would empower him to make such an outrageous claim. Maybe his vessel is at his feet. She discovers nothing in his possession that would sustain his his claim. Will this man's promise prove empty like words of all the other men she has ever known? Intrigued, she questions his capacity to draw forth this living water. But sir you don't even have a bucket in this well and it's very deep so where do you find this living water so what we found here is um we've got this obviously this really hurting empty woman who's found Jesus and basically Jesus even though he's really tired and probably has bleeding feet from walking in sandals um at this well cool enough and he's even got time for a woman where in in their culture they wouldn't even drink from the same cup and he wants to share some water of living life and amazingness so she's a person I guess that the public would never have thought to um, give her any position and then here she is with the king and he's offering her this amazing amazing water and then obviously we find out that um she goes and gets the crowd they come over and they're all like oh my goodness this is amazing they hear a testimony um and then um yeah they go for it so what do what have we learned from uh, Fatina now or the Samaritan woman one just because she come from suffering or bad and sinful past that Jesus isn't going to use you for good in your business. So he sees it as a great opportunity. And I guess I wanted to share this with you because I guess there is some women out there who think that because they've had a bad past or they've not been good or whatever, that um, well, one, you get your salvation for free. So that's really cool. But Jesus actually really wants to use you for his goodness still and um, Jesus used the most broken people and women in the bible to do some of the most incredible things so just because things haven't worked out so far doesn't mean that God isn't going to use you for something awesome and God has something incredible planned for you in your future if you're open to it and this story shows just that and now we're going to be looking into um, what happened next so after Fatina's sons were saved, um, sorry, when she went to the Samaritans and the Samaritans came back, both of her sons were saved along with her five sisters, which is pretty incredible. You know, you go and get some water and now your whole family's being saved. And then she actually went on to become an apostle. So in Acts 1.8, uh, we can see that the apostles were commanded to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And then um, in Acts 2, Fatina was baptized by the Holy Spirit and she was given the ability to speak other languages, which is pretty cool. So God gifted her with the Holy Spirit. And so Fatina's family and herself went across Africa to share the good news about Jesus. So we're actually going to go back in the book now. Um, Lisa's done it kind of the other way around. Um, But I just wanted to share the story now of how God um, just showed incredible faithfulness to her and her journey and what they did um, and where they went and how. Um, yeah, it's just a really, really incredible, inspiring story. So, if you've got your uh, Without Rival book, we've moved to page one hundred two, and we're going to read from one hundred two to two hundred four. So it's a, it's a few pages. Bear with us if you don't have the book, but just listen to the story because. It's really, really cool. So um, they actually went off to Africa. So in Africa, they all labored faithfully, spreading the gospel of Christ in the Carthage, producing astounding fruit. When the news reached them from Nero, deranged emperor was arresting and prosecuting Christians throughout his realm. Fatina sought God's wisdom. So straight away, she went to God. Jesus appeared to her in a dream and instructed her to go to Rome and confront him. Ah. <laughs> so rather than more beyond Nero's reach, they headed straight into the eye of the storm. Immediately, Fatina, her son, and her sisters set sail for Rome in the company of a large contingent of Car- Carthagin. Oh, I don't know what that word says. Christians. They were warned that there would be consequences if they chose to openly live their Christian faith and were abonished to practice a private form of worship. Here is a conversation between her son Victor, who served as a Roman officer, and an official named Sebastian. Victor, I know that you, your mother, and your brother are followers of Christ. As a friend, I advise you to submit the will of the Emperor, if you inform any Christians if you inform on any Christians you will receive their wealth. I shall write to your mother and brother asking them not to preach Christ in public. Let them practice their faith in secret, Victor replied. I want to be a preacher of Christianity like my mother and brother. Sebastian said, Oh Victor <laughs> sorry, I sounded really English then. We will know what woes await you, your mother and brother. How many would still practice their faith openly if they knew this decision would guarantee would mean guaranteed woe? Later her son Victor threw his lot in with his mother, brother and aunts. Here is an expert from the same document cited earlier that leads a window into her first audience with Nero. Fatina arrival and active aroused curiosity in the capital city. Who is this woman? they asked. She came here with a crowd of followers and she preaches Christ with great boldness. Soldiers were ordered to bring her to the emperor, but Fatina anticipated them. Before they could arrest her, Fatina, with her son Joseph and her Christian friends, went to Nero. When the emperor saw them, he asked why they had come. Fatina answered, We have come to teach you to believe in Christ. The (laughs) half-mad ruler of the Roman Empire did not frighten her. She wanted to convert him. She was on a mission. Not surprisingly, Nero was less than receptive. He ordered that those who claimed to be in the hands of Jesus should have their hands beaten with iron rods. The guards took Fatina and all those in her company away to be beaten for their imprudence over the next 3 hours their hands were brutally beaten with iron rods but the christians felt no pain sang psalms while their torturers exhausted themselves not one of the christ followers had as much as a mark on their hands isn't that awesome not that they actually had to go through that but just what how god was so amazing so then nero "'Discovered that the beatings had no effect on them. "'He imprisoned them and devised a plan "'to convince Fatina and all her sisters to convert. "'This time he intended to turn them into his will with kindness. "'He ordered six thrones to be set up in a large banqueting hall. "'Before those thrones, he arranged to have every manner "'of Roman wealth arrayed before the sisters.' No expenses were spared in the preparation of, a collective, of the collection that would appear to the feminine soul. In addition to gold and silver, there were jewels and magnificent garments laid out before each woman. These riches and a life of ease and beauty could be theirs if only they would renounce their Christian faith as sacrifice to the Roman deity. To persuade them towards his, this end, he commissioned his very own daughter, Domenia, to act as his agent. So he tried to get another woman to convince them. When Domenia entered the room, she greeted Fatina warmly and in the course of her situation mentioned Christ. Fatina mistook her for a fellow believer after embracing her she openly shared the transforming love and wonder of her Christ with the one she presumed to be a sister Domenia was undone and rather than refute Fatina she converted to Christianity bam <laughs> but she was not alone in the conversation her serving girls were also converted as well as they listened to the bold preaching of the gospel by the sisters then Fatina instructed um, Domenia and her servants to remove all the wealth from the room and to distribute it freely among the poor they found in the street of Rome. Domenia was baptized and received a new name. How cool is that? So the chick or his daughter that he'd sent in there to go and convert got converted. Ah. Nero was um, enraged. He ordered Fatina, her sisters and her sons, to be put to death by fire. He had a large furnace constructed, but when they were thrown into the furnace, they wouldn't catch on fire. Next, Nero ordered them to execute them executed by poisoning. When the poisoners came, Fatina volunteered to be the first in her company to drink, but the toxins had no effect on her or any of the Christians. Then the Nero, Sahad sent poison to them, converted to Christ as well. Oh, I love this story. They remained in prison for their faith, and over the next three years, they were beaten, subjected to every form of torture ever twisted emperor could invent. But the more he oppressed them, the more their faith grew, Oh, the more their fame grew word of their faith and power spread throughout the emperor's capital and during their prison tenure the jail itself became a house of worship. Roman citizens came regularly to the cells of believers to receive prayer and hear the gospel. For three years the message of Christ continued to inflame Rome from the confines of prison and many believed. How cool is that? Nero sent for one of the former servants who had imp- who he had imprisoned and the man reported all what was happening. Nero ordered the immediate beheading of all the Christians he held in prison. The only exception was Fatina. He hoped to break her resolve through grief and isolation. So he had her removed from the prison, lowered into a deep, dark, dry well and through a few of the accounts say she was severely surged scourged first he left her there for three weeks that must have felt like the open earth and grave she was actually she was acutely alone these were the dark days for Tina and she wept but not over the loss of her loved ones she knew they had been released from every earthly prison and already granted heavenly reception she grieved that she had been denied the privilege of being betrayed alongside her sons and sisters therefore robbed of the mantra's crown from all i read it would appear that this time period was the most difficult for her so what an absolutely incredible story and what an incredible heart that she had for god and the dangers that they all went into and all fought for and god just looked after them in every aspect the only thing that they couldn't um get away from was the beheading and you know even in her heart then she had peace knowing that her sisters and her sons and the other fellow Christians were in heaven but she wept because she couldn't die for her faith that was the one thing and the only thing that they could take for her so what can we learn from this amazing woman of God Um, She wasn't afraid to speak, even to Jesus. She was out there. She said it how it was. um, She wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid to spread the news of Jesus either. Obviously, this woman was very bold. She loved speaking in public and was very, very open, a great apostle for God. She didn't let her past stop her from doing what she needed to get done or what God had asked her to do. And by the looks of it, she didn't even think twice. She was like, yep, no, nah, God's asked me to do this. I'm just going to go and do it. And then she didn't let danger or fear stop her. And she did everything through faith. And God protected her in that. And, oh, I don't know. This story just blows me away. So um, we now have some reflection questions for you. So um, what I'd like you to do now is... Pause this video, get your your journal out and just put some worship music on if you'd like and just look and go through these questions with God um, and ask him, are you seeking guidance from him? Are you doing what God has asked you to do? What things have happened to you in your past that might be stopping you from filling what God has asked you to do now with your business? Know that Jesus took all the burdens from you when you gave your life to him and you don't have to carry them anymore. Do you have faith to believe that in your business, if you step into the scary danger zone, just like Fatina, or conquer a fear that God has got you? After this, we will move on to the next chapter, which will be released soon. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been awesome to do this with you. And enjoy your reflection time with God. Sarah Jane here. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'd love it if you could please share this podcast with your friends. Please rate our podcast on iTunes. And for more information about becoming a member of Christian Women in Business, head over to our website www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au Catch you next time.